Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch. Subject to credit approval, terms apply. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. You're listening to Working, the podcast about what people do all day. I'm Jacob Brogan. This season on Working, we've been going to the White House, talking to some of the political veterans who operate within its walls about the particulars of their jobs. This week, however, we spoke to someone who was a little less familiar with the institution. Chase Woods, a rising senior at the University of Chicago, served as an intern at the White House this past summer. He talked to us about how he found his way into that role and what he did during his time there. We spoke to him about everything from his daily decisions about where to eat lunch to the time he nerded out when he saw Merrick Garland in the hallway. If you've ever wondered what it's like to be one of the least powerful people in one of the most powerful places on earth, this episode is for you. And in a Slate Plus Extra, Woods chats with former Slate intern Ian Philbrick about what it's like to intern in an expensive city full of transitory people. If you're a member, enjoy bonus segments and interview transcripts from working, in addition to other great podcast exclusives. Start your free two-week trial of Slate Plus at slate.com slash working plus. What is your name and what did you do at the White House? Uh, So my name is Chase Woods, and I worked in the Office of Political Strategy and Outreach as an intern. How did you end up at the White House? In the tail end of last fall, I was sitting at my school's Institute of Politics, uh, hearing an info session about the White House internship program. Kind of thought it was a little bit out of my reach, but I thought, you know, why not apply after a series of interviews and background checks and then applying for funding and trying to ration all the money I have, went down there this summer and was there for the past a little longer than three months or so. What made you want to work there? Not to be overly personal or anything, but, you know, I, uh, I'm i like a young black man who, you know, wants to be in public service. And so, obviously, Barack Obama is, is one of my idols. I mean, I still remember him being inaugurated. I was in eighth grade. Hmm. Um, and my social studies teacher being like, hold on, like everyone has to watch this. There's We're... Like screw the lesson plan. We're going to watch this right now. Um, And so just him as a person and his administration has been pretty impactful for me. And so the fact that they're only having like two classes of interns within the administration, I was like, you know what, you know, just going to swing for the fences, hope everything works out. And then here I am after doing it. 
So what were the applications or interviews like? What, what was that actual process that you went through just to get there in the first place? The application itself is pretty standard. It asks like who you are, where you've been, what are your credentials? And then a series of like short answer questions like, oh, if you had the chance to ask the chief of staff one question, what would it be or something like that? So they have a little more fun, a little more flexible questions like that. And then there were, I believe, two essays that I had to write and then, you know, sent that off just kind of. How long have you been working on that? Um, Man, I probably spent like, I want to say like a week and a half or two weeks or so, which feels like a lot like a lot of times and especially just on campus i feel like i sometimes leave things for the last minute and i'm like oh no this is due in four hours what do i do um but this is something i was really really hoping i would get and so i decided to put a little more time and effort into it and then you know sent it off crossed my fingers you know saying my prayers every night um and then heard back maybe two months later asking if i could interview the next day was that a uh, phone interview it was a phone interview. Yeah. Um, it was funny. Actually, whenever I, when I was telling like my family, like, oh my God, I have an interview. They're like, oh, so they're flying you out. And I was like, no, no, they're going to sit me down over the phone. And they're like, oh, that's kind of lame. Are you sure you want to do it? And I was like, yeah. Um, and so uh, sat down and talked for maybe like 45 minutes or an hour, a little bit more like about myself, why I wanted to apply for the internship, what my passions were, things like that. Who were you uh, talking to there? I was someone in the office. Um, uh, it wasn't like a general someone in like the internship office, but it was, uh, the office of political strategy and outreach that I was talking to. Mm-hmm. And so we talked. It seemed to go pretty well. And then, you know, kind of radio silence for a couple more weeks. And then I got an email saying like, hey, we haven't picked you yet, but here's some more additional documents for you to fill out. And then like a background check happened and then got a conditional offer pending, you know, just compliance with the qualifications and rules of the internship program and, and I believe passing a drug test, which, you know, happened. Um, <laughs> and yeah, yeah, here I am. So was it a paid internship? It was not a paid internship. It was unpaid. Um, is that true for they, all White House oh, internships? I believe so. That is for all White House internships. You're allowed to have outside sources of funding pending approval. So thankfully, I was able to apply for a small stipend for my school, which covered my housing. But otherwise, it is unpaid and D.C. is expensive. It is. Yeah. What was it like moving to D.C.? Had you ever lived here before? Had you ever spent time here before? No. So I'd never lived there, but I had visited when I was like eight or something with, uh, with you know, the family. And um, it's all, va- I, to be honest, when I was talking to my mom about applying to this, she's like, oh, you're going back to D.C. And I was like. What do you mean back? I, I didn't. Even, I barely remembered the trip. Hmm. Um, but yeah, so I had never been here. Didn't really know what to expect, but was more than pleasantly surprised at what I found. It's a really great town. Lots to do. Lots to see. There's a lot of history on like every corner that you walk. So it was nice to walk and feel not a part of that history, but to kind of like be ghosted by that history, if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, no, it's a great city, unbearably hot. Um, everyone is telling me that it's a disgusting swamp town. Um, and for the most part, that is accurate. How, how um, long were you here? What Were you here in the summer then? Yeah, so I was, I, was here, I was here the whole summer. So can you walk us through your first day, the actual whole process? Like, what was it like going through the security gates the first time? I know people from school who had interned here before, 
and they had told me a little bit about like first walking through the gates and this expectation of like it's the best thing that'll that'll ever happen to you and so it very much was but at the same time it was like decently terrifying just because i was like (laughs) oh no i'm not supposed to be here did they issue a badge right away so no so i had to go through a gate and just prove who i am and like why i was there and then i was provided a badge at at a later date and then you know said hi to secret service and things like that all very nice dudes and and ladies and people um then walked through and it really started to hit me like oh my god i'm actually standing near the white house i i'm going to work here for the next like 10 or 11 weeks this is insane and that kind of didn't wear off for the first couple days just because it was it was like an oddly um like busy couple days like the i remember i think it was like my second day i had to walk over to the white house and Derek Jeter was there for doing something for my brother's <laughs> keeper. And so he, he walked by and I remember thinking, man, that guy looks like Derek Jeter. And then I did a double take and I was like, Jesus Christ, that's Derek Jeter. So that, so that the optics of just who walks through those doors kind of hit me for, for a really long time. And then also um, Bernie Sanders is there. I think that same day when he, I think met with the president about the idea of endorsing Hillary or whatever. And he had his little press conference on the lawn. So that, that kind of took me off guard for, for that to be like my first couple of days. Um, but eventually after, you know, just, just doing the work for a while and uh, getting into like the groove of things, it definitely started to become um, much more of a job and much more of a uh, business as usual. Did you interact with other interns? Were you the only one in your office or was there a whole pool of uh, people in your position? So I was the only one in my office, but there are um, numerous interns in in the various other offices, um, which at first I was like, oh, it's a, it's a little bit of a humble brag, you know, like only intern in my office. Um, but boy, <laughs> it was lonely. Um, so I, I spent a lot of time by myself and that kind of like propelled me to try and get to know a lot of the other interns with the cohort. Um, and yeah, no, that and that became like a very big part of the experience, um, just meeting everybody uh, seeing where they come from, seeing what they're, what they're passionate about, um, and trying to, and that's, that's another big part of like the internship is that they really want to try and propel people to make relationships that'll last outside of the white house. Um, hoping that people will connect, um, whether, and that's in a professional or personal capacity, um, for, for years to come. Hmm. Where were you stationed, uh, in your time at the white house? Did you have a, an office, a desk, uh, a uh, yeah, cubicle? Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> Thank God it's not a cubicle. Uh, I would have been so bored. Uh, but no, so it's, um, I was stationed in uh, a small office with everyone else in my department in the EEOB, uh, which is the executive Eisenhower building right next to the White House. That's the one thing they, they, they don't tell you. Um, they, they don't say you're not actually in the White House, which is fine. Uh, you know, being, I'll settle for being like 20, 20 or 30 feet away. So I was, I had my own desk, my own computer set up. Um, you know, I would, shout to my supervisor like oh hey how did you want this done um and she would peek her head out and be like this is how you do it or um but yeah so it was a it was a pretty fairly normal setup was there a point at which it started to just feel like an office um yeah i would say like the first time i got bored i was like and i mean, i, I, I kind of caught myself i was like oh man god this today's just dragging and i was like wait i'm at the white house how is this even possible <laughs> um and so that, that was probably the first moment, just like the first time that I caught myself not having anything to do or finishing my work early that day and just kind of allowing myself to get caught up in the feeling of just like wearing a suit and tie and feeling like I'm in an office. But whenever I needed to remind myself, I'd walk outside and be like, 
oh, okay. I'm not like selling insurance right now or anything. You really just got to see the White House itself. Yeah. Where and, you were. Yeah. So it's situated where um, they have like the Navy steps and my office was like right outside those doors. And so you mm-hmm. would just walk out into the Navy steps and be able to, to see the White House. That was a great walk. I think that when a lot of us think about the idea of White House internships for good or for ill, we all remember one particularly benighted internship from the 90s. But I'm sure that there are other misconceptions or misunderstandings that people might have about what it's like to intern at the White House. Were there any that you became conscious of either when you were there or when you were preparing to go? Any kind of myths about it that you'd like to dispel? So actually, there's one thing that actually I kind of like fell victim to um, was the idea that everyone who walked into this internship definitely went to Harvard and is someone who's absolutely 100% brilliant, super well involved, and is just like this this all American dandy named named Chip or whatever. Um, but that's you know it's not very much the case. The people that I met there were from all walks of life, low income people, people on the LGBTQ spectrum, people who were veterans, people who came from the North, the South black, white, Latino, Asian, Pacific Islander, like people from from all over with very different experiences and very different things that they brought to the table. So I think that's probably the biggest one. People see it as like this elitist thing where it, it, it very much didn't feel like that when I was actually there. So uh, what were your actual duties at the White House? What did you do for the White House in your internship? So the, the mission of my office is to kind of like take the political temperature of the country and then advise the administration on like, how policy should be delivered or packaged or like what initiatives to take, things like that. So I played the a very small role in that. Um, a lot of what I did was like basic research, looking at blogs, uh, looking at polling data, things like that, and trying to like relay that in like a series of reports to my supervisors and higher ups. Occasionally there'd be like a little more detailed research projects. Um, and then obviously like the, the very lowly duties of, being an intern, um, occasionally running mail, um, you know, do handing all of like the managerial stuff of the office, things like that. So how many uh, hours a day do you think you worked uh, while you were there? Um, so it, it, so my office was weird in that there would be days where it was very busy and days where, um, at least for, for, you know, being an intern, not very busy at all. So, but on average, I would say I was maybe working like, anywhere from like nine to 10 or 11 hours a day. Um, which is, I mean, again, not bad. Like uh, some of those days would just be, you know, I felt bad trying to leave early. And so I would be like, Oh, you know, I'll stay until my supervisor stays and I'll, I would stay and like read a book for an hour or so. Um, Mm -hmm. but that's probably the, the typical day I would say. Most of the white house people that we've talked to, uh, on this podcast, uh, tell us that they never really get to unplug. Did you, were you expected to be looking at your email, uh, and such, uh, after you left the office? Um, so no, so that, so people like higher ups are allowed to kind of like take their work home with them, whereas interns are not. Um, but I would say that I, w- I started to understand, like, I would see something appear in the news and then I would immediately try and think like, okay, how is this going to impact my day tomorrow? Mm-hmm. Um, so, so it wasn't necessarily that I couldn't leave the office at the office, but I 
the the office just kind of expanded for me if that makes sense sure um and so whenever there was like some sort of tragedy that happened or some sort of like event in in the world of politics i was like oh i know it i'm wondering what the blogs are going to say tomorrow i'm wondering what, what the polling will look like this in like a week and a half or so so that was more of my experience as opposed to you know feeling like i needed to complete work outside of the office did you find yourself uh looking at the news or monitoring twitter or or what have you differently than you had before you started yeah um so i started to care a lot more about data which is the nerdiest response i could have given um but i didn't really pay attention to any of like the polling websites were out there and how much that informs like political discourse or whatever is happening out in the world so i started paying attention to that a lot more closely and i tried to diversify my sources a little bit mm-hmm. and so i although i would be on twitter i was like oh i wonder like i am like a fairly liberal leaning person and so i follow like a lot of like democratic congressmen and, and things like that so i was like oh you know what i should probably see the other side of the discourse and try and understand that a little bit better so that really expanded my view and made me try and think of in a little bit more like holistic of a sense. You've been listening to former White House intern Chase Woods. In a minute, Woods tells us about the question he would have asked the president if only he'd had the opportunity. Apple Card is the perfect cash back rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City Branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. What about just like taking care of the kind of ordinary banalities of life on the White House? Where did you eat while you were there? Did you leave the campus to to get lunch or did you eat in the cafeteria? Yeah. Um, so there's like a small eatery within the EOB called Ike's Dining, which is like a, a quick, easy place to go if it's like a busy day. But oftentimes I would leave the campus because, you know, God bless us. There was a Jimmy John's right across the street. There was a chop, tons of places to eat around. So oftentimes if I found myself with an extra like 15, 20 minutes or so, I would leave a little early, leave the campus, just cross the street and grab a bite to eat. And there are all those uh, food trucks at Farragut Square too. Did you ever make it there? No, I never made it to a food truck. Food trucks kind of stress me out because they, I mean, you have to stand on the sidewalk in like the middle of other people walking. And so I always felt like, oh no, I'm going to run into somebody or like, I'm going to take too much time or 
it was just a stressful situation to like look at those food trucks and see all those people. How free were you to wander around the actual campus of the White House? Did you have to go straight to and from your own office in the EOB or was there any opportunity to, to explore? Um, if I was lucky enough to need to speak with a supervisor who was stationed in the White House or um, back on my first and last day, I got to take like a, a small tour. That was basically like my main interaction with the White House itself. The Most of the time, I kind of fell in that mentality of like, oh, I'm at work and so I should be at work and just be where I need to be, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. And so the White House, although it's amazing and I would love to spend as much time as possible like in the actual structure of the White House, if I don't have business there, I shouldn't really think about going there or, you know, try and peruse if the opportunity arose, like if, like, again, like a supervisor asked, like, oh, hey, do you want to take a quick tour or can you meet me here to drop something off? Then absolutely, I'll, I'm going to basically run there. But otherwise, I was just trying to keep it all business. Do you feel like you were able to contribute to the work that the White House was doing uh, during your time there? You know, so it's an interesting question because... Again, my office was interesting in that there were very slow days and there were very fast days. Mm-hmm. Um, so on the slow days, sometimes I would fall into the mentality of like, ah, man, like what's what am I really contributing? Am I really doing anything? But then there would be days where things picked up and I would be very encouraged, like, oh, man, I'm, I'm stepping up. And it took me a little while to realize that even on the slow days where, you know, I might just write a memo or, or something of that nature that is a contribution no matter how small, because I don't know the day that like my supervisor is having or that like the rest of the administration is having. So if I can contribute in any way to reduce the work of others, then that in my mind felt like a contribution. And so it was kind of a hurdle to like get over that mentality of like, Oh no, I'm not contributing and then fall into that mindset. But having left after the the 10 weeks or so, I very much felt like I had the opportunity to contribute. Was there any moment when you really felt like an intern? Yes, in a way of uh, feeling incompetent, um, hmm. like a classic intern move. Um, I forget what the assignment was, but or well, so there were two assignments, actually. So um, two supervisors had asked me to do something separately, two totally different assignments. Um, and I hadn't realized that one of them was apparently very time sensitive. Um, and I was interested in the one that was not time sensitive. And so I was like, oh, I'm going to do this one because this this one's cool. And so I started doing it, and then I got an email from the supervisor who had asked me about this, the time-sensitive uh, time sensitive assignment, saying, hey, do you have that for me? And I frantically emailed them back, and was like, oh, oh no, oh no, I'm so sorry. I, I didn't realize that you needed it so quickly. I'll do it right now. It'll take me five minutes. And then I just got a, a, an email back saying, don't worry, I'll do it. And so I felt terrible and this is like at the very start of the day and so for like the next like 10 hours i just kind of like shamefully hung my head at the desk like oh my god i can't believe i messed up like that but i i made it very clear that that was never going to happen again um and thankfully it didn't um but that was that was probably the one moment where i where i felt like a a a small fish in a very big pond um and kind of felt like at the bottom of the food chain do you think that you would want to stay in politics did this set of experiences uh, affect your feelings uh, along those lines at all? Uh, yeah, absolutely. I think I think a lot of the time when I told people I was going to D.C., um, they kind of like a, a very negative perception of it and kind of had that negative perception of politics where it's like, oh, the politicians are crooked. No one's really honest. It's all about money and power and blah, 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 blah. But oddly enough, being there has kind of done the exact opposite for me 
um, just because I saw just how hard people actually are working and how hard people actually do care about the issues at hand. So that really reinforced that, you know, there are good people out there doing the work. And then a lot of a lot of the negativity that does surround politics and although that a lot of it is warranted, a lot of it is just perception. And so to be able to be there, that's kind of reinforced for me that politics is like a a tool for good um, if used correctly. And I would want to use it correctly. And so I, I think that's encouraged me to try and pursue politics in a really meaningful way. You were in a kind of uniquely powerless position in a very powerful place. Did it feel like the people around you, though, were powerful people uh, or did they just feel like people doing their jobs? I would say definitely the latter. People definitely, you know, just show up to do their jobs. And although I think people understand that they do have power and influence, it's rather just to once again complete the mission of their work, if that makes sense. Like, it doesn't feel like power is misused or is, you know, just feeding people's egos. It's definitely a power that is used to to advance the administration's goals of, like, you know, helping and protecting uh, the citizens of the country. You were, I assume, super excited, uh, especially at first, to be at the White House. Did you have to, like, dial it down, pull it in? <laughs> try to be a cool guy uh in order to not like look like a total dork um i mean i assume you are a very cool guy and would never look like a total dork but no i i assure you it happens on a regular basis um ah god i'm trying to think of like in a, in a particular instance um there was a day where um merrick garland the president's appointee for the supreme court he was walking just like through the eob with with somebody and like my mouth actually like was a gape um <laughs> And I, I was like, oh, it's appropriate to wave. And so I, I waved <laughs> and it wasn't really appropriate to wave. And he just kind of like looked at me and I was like, hi there. And I was like, oh, no, this is actually awkward. This is actually he's just trying to go about his day. And I'm acting like uh, like I'm, you know, I'm meeting like a movie star. Um, I should probably never do this again. And so for the the rest of my time there, whenever someone who um, was very important. Would walk by. I just try to keep my eyes straight and uh, just kind of keep my head down. So that I, I have a tendency to fangirl sometimes. So that was that was probably the moment. And when I and just to go back, Merrick Garland is a wonderful man. It's not like a a way of like he gave me a mean look. It was it was a look of just like hi, I don't know you. What's happening? It was me, and then I realized like oh no, he's just here for business. This is a place of business. Do you think there's any uh, level at which guys like Merrick Garland though just don't really think of themselves as being celebrities as being someone that anyone would be excited to see in the first place? Yeah, I think that's also probably a lot of it, um, especially because like they're again just very serious people who care a lot about like what they do. So like I think, when they expect to go to the EOB, they expect to be here for like work related reasons. And so just me as a, a, a dummy uh, <laughs> seeing him, that that probably freaked him out a little bit. But no, so I think I think a lot of times people in politics, unless you're like at the a very, very, very high level, don't necessarily care or carry like an air of celebrity to them, or at least they don't think they do. Do you think that this experience of operating in the last few months of the administration uh, seemed to shape the tone uh, of the White House during your time there? Did you have any feeling of that kind of transitional uh, quality of the current administration? Um, 
Yes and no. I mean, I would say that there's definitely a feeling of a sense of urgency on the part of the administration because there is only a, a small chunk of time left um, to be doing as much good as possible to try and get as much work done as possible. Um, it definitely very much did not feel like a lame duck presidency. Um, people are definitely showing up every day with the with the idea in mind that, okay, I have one less day than I had the day before, so I need to try and do as much as possible. So it definitely didn't necessarily feel transitional, although I know people are, you know, obviously understand that the the transition is right around the corner. What advice would you offer to someone who wants to work as an intern uh, at the White House, whether in this administration or since that's probably not possible anymore in <laughs> whatever one might be coming down the pipe? Um. I feel like the internship program kind of shifts a little bit with whatever in administration is in power. I granted, I I've can't speak for an intern like in the Bush, the, the Bush administration or anything like that, but I've heard that this administration has taken uh, like a concentrated effort to make sure that there's a lot of professional development going on, that there's a lot of connection building going on and um, trying to really cultivate the, the young leaders that are there. And again, that's not to say that, prior administrations haven't done that. I think they've just tried to do it in a much more thoughtful way. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, come November, it's hard to say like what my advice would be. Um, but I think any, some good general advice would just be to, to fly low and fly straight um, to try and, you know, not try and make your time there about um, shaking hands and getting coffees, but rather um, letting the quality of your work speak for you. So to be known as someone who, might be known by a few people to do a really great job and to always get your work done and be on top of all of your stuff as opposed to just knowing a lot of people and not necessarily being known for anything. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I would say that's some pretty true advice that could, well, I don't want to say speak to any administration uh, come November that <laughs> that might not hold up for one of the cases. But <laughs> um, but so I, I think that's probably the advice I would give is just let the quality of your work speak for you. Did you actually have to fetch any coffee during your time at the White House? <laughs> um, I got a few coffees. I didn't want to get coffee with people um, who are like, quote unquote, like big names. Like I didn't want to get coffee with someone for the sake of like getting coffee. I really wanted to try and talk to people with whom I had like very similar interests or like potentially had uh, like a, a similar career path that I might want to try and embark on. So, so there were a few coffees, but I, I hope they were good, meaningful coffees that the people would step away from and be like, oh, that kid's all right. What about right. fetching coffee, though? Did you ever have to do that? Oh, 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 I'm so sorry. Is that what you asked? <laughs> yeah, it's fine. Oh, I, I like so your answer, too, which is great. <laughs> uh, I'm so sorry. I'm so no, sorry. No I, I never had to fetch coffee. Thank goodness. Thank goodness I never had to fetch coffee. Um, yeah. I would have happily fetched coffee if, if someone <laughs> if pointed asked to you. me and... <laughs> Yeah, no, if someone had pointed me just like, hey, kid, cup of coffee, no, no cream and sugar, I'd be like, absolutely. <laughs> um, but no, thank goodness. Uh, was there mm -hmm. anyone who you actually met, spent time to, talked with that really blew your mind? Anyone who you, the kind of person that you would have never thought you would have met otherwise? Um, so I got to um, occasionally sit down with um, the director of my office, David Seamus. Um, he's a like a relentlessly optimistic person. Mm -hmm. um, and so I think, again, to get back to like that weird DC culture of, you know, it's all corrupt, blah, 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 blah. Meeting him as a person who there is not an ounce of that or of any ounce of like the idea of 
corruption or just wanted to do this for the sake of power or prestige. Um, that was really refreshing and something that was very encouraging to to kind of have him as like a like a distant role model um, of like potentially like why I would, I would want to be in politics. You never had the opportunity to actually meet or talk to the president, though, during your time there. Um, so they do they do schedule one meeting with him, um, like a like an intern um, photo op and and an opportunity to talk to him and ask him a few questions. Um, and it's actually it's actually so funny you're saying this because it, the president's time is obviously very precious. And so they only take a few questions. And so I was really hoping to ask him mine, but did not get the opportunity. So um, what question would you ask him if you could? So this question is going to sound crazy pretentious. It's not meant to. <laughs> um, but so I would have asked essentially like, what would he do if he wrote another book in a vein of other offers? Uh, so the question is, um, in your first book, dreams for my father, it it felt like you're trying to understand, um, the world you're inheriting. And two of my favorite books, the fire next time and between the world and me are letters to people, letters to family members, more specifically about the world they're inheriting. So if you were to write a letter or a book in the vein of these two authors to someone younger about the world they're inheriting, what would you write? And so that was my question. And it unfortunately did not get to be asked. Hopefully he'll listen to this and answer it. What I would give, <laughs> what I would give, man. But uh, if you could pass one other message uh, on to him after your time at the white house, what would it be? Um, I mean, I'm sure I'm sure he hears it all the time and I'm sure he probably does have a great understanding of it because he's he's met countless people across the country. But I mean, just thanking him for what he's done and not not on like a policy level, but just on a profound level of like, I didn't think I could be president. I mean, I don't think I could be president now, but it's interesting to like look at him and think of what's possible and to think about what he's done for me on a very personal level again, which wasn't like his intent. Like he very much wanted to, to lead the country in very like real tangible, meaningful ways. Um, but like when I first saw him in person, like when he walked in that room, it really, really, really hit me about what he's been able to do uh, for me on a personal level. So I would definitely just thank him for that. That's great. Um, thank you so much for uh, taking the time to talk to us today. No, yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks for listening to this episode of Working. I'm Jacob Brogan. We'd love to hear your thoughts about the podcast. Our email address is working at slate.com, and we actually do read all of the emails that you send us, so please send them. You can listen to all seven seasons of Working at slate.com slash working. This series was produced by me and Mickey Capper. Mickey also edits the show. Thanks to Efim Shapiro, and special thanks to Ian Philbrick and Summer Fields, who helped bring this episode together. Our executive producer is Steve Lichtai, and the chief content officer of the Panoply Network is Andy Bowers. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match, with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. 
Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply.